Welcome to the Aligned Women Podcast, a podcast to empower women in chiropractic to grow practices that work for their families. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton. And I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman. We're two moms who are navigating the journey of life and practice just like you. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Women podcast. I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman, and I'm so excited for this call today. This is going to be another episode in our series of on-air coaching calls. And the reason that we're doing this series is because we want to give you an idea of how it is that we work through problems and challenges that some of you are having in practice. We want to give you ideas by listening to other people's problems And we want to give you an idea of what it's actually like to work one-on-one with us. Today, I've got the privilege of talking to Dr. Julie Potter. Julie has a family practice in Iowa, and her challenge is around raising her fees and feeling her own worth in the fee structure that she has. This is a really common challenge that we hear all the time from our members in the Aligned Women community and also in our Mama Chiropractors group. So if you can identify this, I promise you, you are not the only one. And I'm really excited for you to hear how Julie and I worked through this together. So on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey, Julie, welcome to the Aligned Women podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you begin by telling me, tell us, tell us all about yourself, your family, your practice. Where do you practice? Give us an idea of who Julie Potter is. Okay. Um, I started out life as a college professor. Um, I taught at Luther College in Iowa, in Decorah, Iowa, for about six years. My area of expertise was research psychology, particularly language and language acquisition. Um, It was while I was there that I realized that um, we were trying to help with with students becoming, finding their vocation. And I realized I wasn't in mine. So (laughs) the program to find vocation worked very well. Um, I ended up going to see a chiropractor who was doing some nutritional response testing and He said, with your background, you would be a great chiropractor because you can help a lot of people with your research mind and with your intuitive mind. And so I went to school at Northwestern, graduated in 2008, um, started my family in 2009. Uh, My husband uh, is a research scientist. He's a molecular biologist uh, currently working for a company that helps researchers do DNA research. So he's very science based and has a little issue with my intuitiveness, but (laughs) that is, that is what just happens. Um, We now have two children. Um, We live in Iowa city or Coralville, which is the Iowa city area. Uh, I have a practice that is primarily nutrition based. Um, most of my patients come to see me because they have a underlying nutritional issue, but I do still um, do a lot of adjusting. I probably about 35% of my patients are non-adjusting patients. They're just nutrition only. And um, probably about only maybe 10% are just adjusting only. And even they still want a little bit of nutritional work with them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
my kids are six and nine and two boys. And um, I think that's about it for me. That covers a large gamut of things. That's really interesting. So your background is in psychology then? Yes. That's very cool. So, okay, just kind of a random question, but did you start seeing a chiropractor because you were having a problem and somebody recommended you see a chiropractor or you started seeing a chiropractor because you were interested in chiropractic as a vocation? Um, <clears throat> my history with chiropractic, so the answer to your question is the first, I had a problem. But interestingly, I had seen chiropractors when I was in high school because I was spraining my hip all the time, either in uh, cheerleading or in uh, volleyball. And mm -hmm. the problem I had with him was that he would adjust me just the way most chiropractors adjust, and I would go sit in the car and it would immediately go back to where it was. Yeah. So I hadn't thought about chiropractic as an outlet for me to, to get a job in or to explore as a vocation. And it wasn't until I had some pinched nerve issues running down in my hand that my mother suggested to go see this guy who does some nutritional work. And I was blown away. I was like, really? That's what you can do? And um, I was like, that's really cool. And I was, you know, I was in a place where Sundays sucked because Mondays came later. And uh, <laughs> so I kind of needed something to change. And that was just, uh, it landed where I needed it to. That's amazing. I'm amazed that when you were looking for a chiropractor, that you happened to find one who was so nutritionally based, which was right up your alley. You know, of, of all the things we do in chiropractic to find somebody like that, who was such a good fit for you that you would go, this is it. This is what I want to do. I think that's so divine. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So tell me then, tell me the structure of your practice. So it's very heavily nutritionally based with adjusting. Mm -hmm. How do, how does an appointment work? If I'm a new patient and I call you because I'm looking for chiropractic care, what would a new patient visit and report of findings leading up to the first appointment look like for me? Um, you would uh, you would complete a pretty pretty decent uh, history about nutritional, digestive pain, um, the basics. But then when you come into my office, the first thing I do is I introduce you to muscle response testing. And after I talk about your history and what we're looking at. So I, you know, I talk about the fact that if you were in a normal chiropractor's office, we would test all the muscles around a particular joint and we mm -hmm. would see if they would change or if we'd see what their strength was. And that would give us an indication of what um, place on the spine we need to adjust. Okay. But then what I show them is with nutrition response testing, I can touch places on their spine and I can actually just by touching I can strengthen those muscles. So it's a muscle response. It's a change in the muscle. And so mm -hmm. I show them through chiropractic how muscles can change depending upon the energy going into the body. And then from there, because I usually don't just get, uh, the first visit is never, my new patients are never chiropractic only. My new patients mm -hmm. are always nutrition. And so from there, with that introduction about how muscles can change just by touching or just by, not by actually adjusting, but by touching, that I can change muscle strength. I show them how that muscle strength can change when you put something into their field that they want, like um, good cruciferous greens. I've got energies for that or that they don't want. So GMO corn, 
I, we can watch how muscles change with that. And then I do the um, morphogenic field technique stuff that I do, which is to find the key frequency vibration that's in their body that's inhibiting them and then try to find a solution that overpowers that and gets rid of that and expands their field. And then after that, <laughs> which with a new patient usually takes about half an hour, I spend about 15 minutes adjusting by, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, about 15 minutes adjusting using muscle response testing and uh, actually, strangely enough, motion palpation with an activator to adjust okay. their spine. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how long is a typical visit? Like a, a typical visit, visit is 30 minutes. Um, okay. just because I've, I, I've been thinking about this, obviously up into this, to this one-on-one -on -one session that, um, I spend about 15 minutes doing nutrition plus, you know, the five minute, however, how's everything going? What do we need to look at? I spend 15 yeah. minutes doing nutrition. And then what I probably should do is to spend about 15 minutes adjusting if I'm doing an adjustment, um, or 10 minutes adjusting, but then I need five minutes to close up. So I'm already set myself behind because that's 35 minutes if I'm mm -hmm. only trying to take a half hour. Um, problem is, is that I am good at the minutia. So if you come in and say that your knee hurts, <laughs> you will probably walk out of my office without your knee hurting. And you don't yeah. have to come back for about two weeks or more because I spend that, I'm, I'm, too focused on the little bits. And that's probably part of my research background. My, my husband calls it archaeology. Um, I like to find the little bits. I like to find the little, you know, what is this little thing? What are, what if, if we could find one thing in your energy and we could pull it out and make you healthier, what would it be? And okay. so I look for that one thing, that one cause. You know, what is the reason why your knee hurts? Is that one cause because of L4? Or is that one cause because you've got rib 12 out and it's cramping mm -hmm. that QL? So I, as I wrote in my thing, my mind candy is complex patients. Yeah. And I think what I currently have gotten myself into is a situation where patients expect my mind candy to work all times and that I haven't changed my fees and I haven't changed the structure of my appointments. So I'm starting to get burned out in the fact that I'm putting a lot in per patient and I'm not getting a lot out financially okay. and emotionally. So that was my next question is tell me what I can help you with today. So <laughs> let's be, let's be really clear about what is it that's working well for you and what is it that is not working well and that you would like help with. Okay. Let's take a pause so that I can do my bread really quickly. <laughs> okay. Pause. <laughs> All right. So what is working well for me is that I love what I do. I love the morphogenic field technique. I like fixing people from the inside out. Um, I like doing adjusting, but my schedule and my compensation are not working out for me. And my okay. fear is I have a lot of families. So part of getting ready for this, I looked and I have, because I'm in rural, I'm not really in rural Iowa, but I attract a lot of rural Iowa people. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I have 20 to 30 patients from one extended family or from an extended (laughs) family. And I have like three clusters of those. And so, you know, my fear is what if I raise my rates on these farmers and I lose, you know, 30 people just because we can't afford to come and see Dr. Julie anymore. So I see that as kind of an issue that I'm stumbling over. How do I get through this? How do I get past this? Mm -hmm. And so I like what I do. I'm not quite sure my schedule fits me. I've been trying to play around with ideas on how to do nutrition and adjusting and then how to compensate myself for it because I'm, you know, after I see two patients an hour and granted my expenses aren't huge, but I'm only bringing in, I think probably $65 after that hour. Your profit per visit is really good. Yeah. But the problem is you can't do that many visits in a, in a day or in a week. Yeah. Okay, so I'm hearing a few different things here. I'm hearing scheduling. So is there something that needs to change in the scheduling? I'm hearing how do I increase my profit so that I can bring home more? But I'm also hearing a value issue. Let's talk about that a little bit. Is it okay if I share a couple of things that you told me in your intake form? Mm-hmm. Okay, these are things that really stuck out from what you said in your application for this call. You said, I'm working out of a need to prove myself. Um, You also said at one point, I don't trust that I'm actually good. And you also alluded to a feeling of, you you have this feeling that you have to give your patients everything. So there's there's a real value system going on here, a a value issue as far as your money mindset is concerned. why don't we um, why don't we talk about that? Let's kind of let's go back and talk about just money in general because women often have real issues around money, whether they realize it or not. So, give me an idea, Julie. Of first of all, do you feel comfortable talking about money? Do you feel comfortable talking about money with me? Um, sure, I do. Okay. Um, I, I, you know, I. Actually, I feel comfortable talking about money, but I probably don't talk about money with my, I don't talk about money with my patients. Um, I don't, my husband and I will talk about money maybe once a month just to see where things are at. Um, But that's about it. Okay. When you say you don't talk about money with your patients, but you have (laughs) to, you have to collect money from them. I do. I do. How does that work? Um, when, what do you mean when you said I don't talk about money with my patients? In what, with, in what respect? Because I'm assuming um, that at some point in time there's a discussion no, of money. I, in that sense, I, I do talk about money with yeah. my patients. Um, I, I do talk about it so they, they know that it's a cash-based practice that they have to pay as they come in. Um, that I get, I get fee for as service right at that time. Um, but I don't talk about, um, you know, I don't talk about, I rarely talk about raising my fees and I almost feel totally uncomfortable with the concept of raising my fees, even though I haven't raised my fees in about five years. Okay. If you go back to when you were little, 
did you was money talked about in your house um my parents were school teachers and there was a very we were I was the kid that was in the stretch and sew pants. Um, so there was a, there was a, insuff not an insufficiency, but as a, we're, we're going to have to scrape through to make this work type of approach. Yeah. And there's a clear cut difference between how I look at money and how my brother looks at money because my dad retired from uh, teaching and then became an insurance salesman and then a certified financial planner after that. And so there's definitely a difference in how my brother looks at money because he was seven years behind me and he got the benefits of having gotcha. my dad shifting positions. Whereas I have the, I have the school teacher view, which is I've got to keep it and it's got to stay, you know, it's, it's not going to be there type of view. So would, would it be accurate if I said you were raised in a very lack mindset? I guess so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. From a money Very standpoint. Yeah, okay. indeed. Okay. When there were money conversations that were happening, what was it like in your house? Was there a lot of conflict around it or was it, um, you know, was it just a discussion about money? You know, your parents would talk about something needs to be paid. Someone else would say, okay, no problem. I'll get that done. Or what was it like there? Honestly, if there was... They were always very self-sufficient. So usually if something needed to get done, they did it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was a lot of home building, home making. And um, it, you know, we had a garden that had 12, 12, 30 yard rows. Yeah. Um, so there was just a lot of homeness. But the one thing that I think sticks out was in my mind, at one point in time, my dad made an investment in video games, you know, the kind that would show up at bars that you would play with. Yeah. Um, and it didn't go well. It was a poor choice. And um, it stuck out in my mind that after that, we did a lot more, we did a lot more saving and a lot more home stuff after that. And in fact, in a later discussion, I said, well, you know, I'm like, well, mom, didn't you didn't you and dad have declare bankruptcy? Because I thought that that was the extent of the, and mom said, no, we never did, but there were some tough times in it. Yeah. So was there a sense of fear around money then or a fear of money running out for you? Probably. Okay. What are money conversations like, if you don't mind me asking, and just let me know if this is not an area you want to dive into, but what's your husband's name? Nick, what are money conversations like when you and Nick discuss money? Um, they, they've evolved. So <laughs> when we were initially married, there was, because I was just coming out of graduate school, they were initially out of me being from a very lack mindset. But then as I started making money and as I started carrying my side of things, um, they started to be more open. Now, even though my father's a CFP, I will tell you that when my, and I'm a statistician, I love stats. But if you start talking to me about investing, my brain just kind of shuts off. Mm -hmm. I just, that, that part of my brain just says, no, I, 
I, I can't do that. I can't invest money in something because of, I guess, from a lack, from a fear mindset. Okay. So when we do have questions about investing, I can only handle like five minutes of it. And I'm like, honey, I just, this is, this is all I've got. I can't mm -hmm. do it. Okay. How does Nick feel about your practice? Um, he originally, it was just sort of, let's hope that, let's make sure that you can pay for, um, childcare and make sure that you can pay for your student loans. Mm -hmm. And now that my student loans are done, it's now that I can pay for, um, the food that we eat, you know, that, cause I'm pretty much set on organic and grass fed and all of that. So I cover that part of things. And then, um, what's left over is, um, what I can put into savings, but he does the, he does the mortgage, he does um, the utilities. So there is a split definitely between what I do and what he does. Right. Is he supportive of the financial contribution that you make from your practice? Or is that, does that become a source of conflict or fighting between the two of you? No, uh, that he's supportive. Yeah. It's, all good. it's not a source of conflict. Awesome. Yep. Okay. Cool. So the first thing that I want to say is I, I want you to pat yourself on the back for just being aware of this. The fact that you came to me with this topic and you said, I've got this going on. I need to be able to work through this in order to hit the next level. That's a big deal because honestly, I would say probably at least 50% of the coaching that Danielle and I do, people come with one problem, but we're coaching them through a mindset issue um, in order to get to even get through where they're at. And no matter what level of practice you're at, these mindset issues keep coming up and a lot of them revolve around money. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's funny because Danielle and I were just having a conversation the other day when we were recording an upcoming podcast episode. And after we finished recording, she was asking me, you know, so how's practice going? Tell me, are you really happy in practice? And I said, I am so happy in practice. And she said, why is that? And the first comment that I said to her was, well, not to make it about money or anything, but I love that I'm making a great income and bringing home a lot of money to my family. And so you can imagine that Danielle's comment after I finished blah, 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 after that was, why is it that your first comment was not to make it about money? That's what we do as women. There's this dirtiness around talking about money. So mm -hmm. That's why I think it's awesome that we can have this conversation. And for everyone who's listening out there, this is a big deal for women to even talk about money because this, even now, it just doesn't get done. But definitely 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, women never talked about money. Never. So we are raised by parents who come from a mindset that money is not discussed. And in particular, in the company of women, it's just not done. And so we naturally, because we were raised by that generation of parents, we naturally are, we have those things in our subconscious and we don't. To really pat yourself on the back just for being aware of it and being comfortable talking about it because that in of itself is a big step. We're going to be able to work through this money issue, the fees and the value with your practice, that's going to happen very quickly simply because you're, first of all, you are aware that there's an issue and you're open to change. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest step right there, Julie. So I, again, just 
want to congratulate you on taking the step to do this, but also just know you're like 80% of the way there. And now we're just going to sort of chip through the other 20%. Um, okay. So tell me how the fee structure works. You, you're, you're spending a lot of time with your patients in the office. Mm -hmm. How do you charge for that right now? Um, right now, and as I said, thinking through this is mindset. I'm very embarrassed to say because I just, I, I charge $40 for a chiropractic and nutrition visit. I charge $30 for a chiropractic visit. I charge $25 for kid visits. And right now, and I've been scolded by at this by um, and many of my healthcare providers that are patients of mine, I don't have a differentiation between exam and non-exam or uh, initial visit and non-initial or regular visit. Um, because that's what I inherited from the guy that I was independent contracting with. That's how he did things. He did not have a difference, even though his initial visits were longer than his regular visits. Okay. Do you feel like, do you feel like you should be charging for the visit or charging for your time? What is your feeling on that? And I'm asking you this, there's no right answer. I'm just asking, yeah. how do you want to be charging for this? I feel like I, I need to figure out how to charge for my time because that is where, that's where my burnout comes in because I end up getting behind and then I end up feeling like, oh, now I'm five minutes behind. No, now I'm 10 minutes behind. And yeah. that's where my burnout comes in is this, this upsetness about, and I think if patients understood that, I'm not going to give them extra time or that their extra time costs them money. I think mm -hmm. it might also clear up that, that issue. Okay. So let's talk about fees then for a second. And I just want to, I want to make sure I have this clear. You have, sounds like you've got three fees here. You've got $40, $30 and was your kid visit 20? 25. 25. Okay. Yep. In a perfect world, if I could wave a magic wand and everybody had unlimited money for seeing you, how, mm -hmm. how would you want this to play out? What would you want the fees to be? <laughs> that's, that's a tough question. Um, it's uh, only tough because you're thinking about it. So don't yeah, overthink that. No I one's going to hold you to this. This is just <laughs> in a, like, in a, if I, like I said, if, if I was Harry Potter and I could just yes. make it yes. happen, what, what would it be? What, what would well, you see, want that, an adult? Unfortunately, that gets down to the deeper question. What is my time worth? Um, <laughs> so... Um, I think if I, if they had unlimited money, then what it would be, would be an adjustment would be $40. If you wanted energy work, it would be additional 30 um, kids. If you did both of that, that would be 70. So kids, I would take half, maybe just set kids up at a $40 fee as well. But then understanding that uh, chiropractic would probably, I would push chiropractic so that it was only a 20-minute visit. And I would say, you know what, if you've got other issues, you've got to come back at a different time, which again gets to mm -hmm. that proving myself. Um, but then also 
having openings in my schedule so they could come back and get more work on them later. Okay. When you see somebody for, you, for their initial visit, is it a longer yep. time period? It is. It's an hour. Okay. So it's basically double the time. Mm-hmm. And do you have special times during the day that you only do those initial visits or do you work them in your schedule wherever they fit? I work them in wherever they fit. Yep. Okay. So you've just given me a fee structure for regular visits. Mm-hmm. What about initial visits? Ultimately, initial visits would probably be about the amount of time. Uh, for yeah, for the amount of time, it would probably be about a hundred. Sorry, say that again, Julie. You just cut it. Oh, just sorry. Uh, for for an hour, I would probably charge a hundred. Okay. Now, what's intriguing is that I know that there are others. Uh, I, I had a recent visit from somebody who had some energy work similar to what I do out in uh, Denver, and the guy out there charged $350 for an hour. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, hello. I need to make some changes. Do you feel that... The gentleman, do you feel that he has 3.5 times the amount of abilities or wisdom than you do? No. No. Do you feel like, you know what? I, I feel like I could do the same thing. I'm worth 350 bucks an hour. See, then, I, then you've got me shifting back into my lack mindset. If I want to make people healthy and I'm still the school teacher's daughter, it's really hard to say. The 350 is the right thing. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not saying you should charge 350. I'm getting at, you talk a lot about time, the amount yep. of time that you take. Yeah. What if somebody came in and, so say as time goes on and you just get, you get better and better and better at pinpointing the exact problem so that mm-hmm. it doesn't take you a half an hour anymore, it only takes you 15 minutes. Are you going to stretch that visit out to a half an hour because that's what they're paying for? Or so what I'm asking you is, do you honestly believe that people are paying for your time or do you believe that they're paying for the result? Uh, Good point. They are paying for the result. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I can tell you this, Julie, and I'm telling you this based on my experience as a chiropractor. If people get the result, they don't care how much time it took. They care that they get the result. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I find in this day and age, everybody's so busy that if you can get them the result quicker, they're actually happier that they can get on with their day. So everything that you're talking about as far as your fees is very, very time-based. But mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest shifts that you need to make is realizing that deep down, even though you're talking about time, what you're really talking about is results. And you're, you, you, are, you have a real pride in the results that you get for your people. You're very good at what you do, right? Yes. You believe that. You yes. know that, right? You own that? Yep. yep. So one of the things that you and I need to work through right now is 
why does that become a time factor? Why do you feel that in order for you to have value, there has to be a certain amount of time placed in there? Where does that come from? I, it's intriguing because in an ideal world, I would work on patients in one visit until they were, until they were done, until I had everything that I needed. And when I do have gaps in my schedule, the person that is next to the gap gets that because I get, strangely enough, I get to play. That's where I'm happiest is when I get to play and I get to find out what's wrong people with mm -hmm. people. So I do like the longer time schedule, but then I have to charge in accordance for that longer time slot because I'm getting people results in one visit rather than in four, five, or six. Yeah. What is your PVA? I'm looking at your statistics here. Um, um, I actually can't tell from your stat sheet what your PVA is. Uh, patient visit, remind me. Patient visit PVA. average. Yeah. Patient, patient visit. Uh, honestly, I don't know because almost everybody just keeps coming back to me every month or every six weeks. <laughs> so. Okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay. So your PBA is 29. Okay. Okay. That means that on average, when somebody comes in as a new patient, through uh, their lifetime of care with you, from the time they start to the time they become inactive, they'll be mm -hmm. there for 29 visits. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you about, like when you say you're, you're getting everything, what does that tell you about the care that you're giving if they're seeing you for 29 visits? Um, well, so so for chiropractic, I'm keeping them where they need to be. But part of that 29 visit is that I get people that, you know, mom calls and says, I've got a yeast infection. Can I come in and do some energy work with you? So I get, I get people that are essentially, I become a lot of families so that those groups of 30 people, I am almost their PCP, mm -hmm. um, primary care That's provider. Awesome. And so the 29 doesn't bother me because I'm not upset. I'm not, I don't think it's me not solving a problem. I think it's me part becoming part of their, part of their wellness, part of their, how exactly. do they stay healthy? Exactly. Th that's a good PVA, by the way. Okay. So you having a PVA of 29, that does not reflect that it takes you 29 visits to get rid of their oh. headaches or their, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's not what PVA is about. Okay. PVA <laughs> is exactly that. It is a reflection of how does the patient view you with respect to their wellness care. And if somebody is going to see you for 29 visits, what that tells you is they, they want to come back and have more things worked on and have more, um, more health that comes mm. from you. And so what you can take from that is there is no, I'm getting it all in one visit. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking into that time boundary thing. Okay. Time boundary is a big thing here. And I, I think for you, part of it is, it's like you said, like you love just getting in there and figuring it out. Like there, there's a lot of, you get a lot of fulfillment out of that, which is awesome. But at the same time, you have a practice to run. So you've got this, right. you've got to balance your business head 
with your yeah. like, I love what I do head. And I could just keep doing this all day with this person. And because like, everybody <laughs> totally. has multiple things going on. Right? And that's yes. the reality. That's, that's health. Health is very complicated. There are many layers to it. And so putting boundaries around a visit, what I'm saying is, is it possible that we can get you to a point where you feel like I don't have to get it all in one visit? It's okay because they're going to come back. Health is a process. You're there to walk them through it. Clearly, yeah. you've done a great job in partnering with these families, right? They yeah. think of you as a partner in their health. And I think as a healthcare practitioner, that should be one of our biggest goals is for our patients to see us as I am your partner in this journey that we're going to take through the rest of your life for you for your husband, for your kids, for your friends, for your in-laws, for your coworkers, like whoever it is, I am mm -hmm. here to walk step by step with you so that if you have a problem, I'm there to work you through it. And if you have a win, I'm there to cheer you on through it. And that's the fun mm -hmm. thing about being a practitioner. What it means for you as a business operator is that it's okay to put boundaries around your visits and say that's enough for one day because yeah. I know I'm going to see you again. Yeah. And I, I wonder if for you, again, talking about value, right? When you say, I feel like I need to prove myself. I don't trust that I'm actually good. I wonder if you feeling like you have to get everything, and I'm sort of putting that in air quotes, you mm. feeling like you have to get everything, it's not so much for the patient, it's for you, Julie. It's for you to feel like, I, I am good at this. I can do this. And I guarantee you, your patients don't feel like that at all. And I know that they don't feel like that because they keep coming back and they're bringing their kids and they're bringing their cousins and their aunts and their uncles. And like, you have these massive families that itself is validation for you that you are more than good. You okay? Yep. <laughs> yep. Choked up. This is good. You have nothing to prove to these families, you are excellent at what you do and you just need to own it. Your practice wouldn't be growing if you weren't good at what you do. Your practice would be shrinking. Yep. But in order for you to be able to serve more people, you need to place boundaries, better boundaries around your time because to be honest, you have to, you have to increase your availability for people Right. But I think also they need to know too that there is like there's a start and an end to these visits and that right. they, you know, they're coming back. So we're going to do more yeah. next time and that's okay. They need to be able to go home and their body needs to be able to process everything that you've done in that visit. Right. And I think too, when you're really focused on what are the, what are the priorities here? And then you send them home for their bodies to process it. When they come back, some of those other things, like maybe the knee or the ankle or whatever, they may not be there the next time because their body has had a chance to process it itself. You yep. don't have to do all the processing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. It does. Yeah. So what would be a perfect amount of time that you would love to spend with people? And I'm like, put your business hat on when we're talking about this here. Put, put my business hat on. Put your business right. hat on. But with how my many business. People, how many people would you love to see in a day? I, I don't know if I can go, given that I also do energy work, I don't know if I can go much beyond. Um, I could see maybe like, I'm trying to think through my head, um, a three, 
an hour and then a two hour. So probably six, I probably couldn't see many more than 20 just because of the intensity of the energy work that I do. I, it starts to get, my brain starts to get unhinged. Um, 20 in a day. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right now I've got slots for 15 or 16. Um, but I no, Yeah. For 13 or 14 mostly is what I've got set up in my schedule. So if I could maybe shrink everybody down to a 20 minute visit, um, or, or as I said, three twenties and two thirties kind of alternating so that maybe if I put my energy folks at certain times, people want to do both energy and adjusting. And then I put my adjusting folks at a different time. So I could put three of them in there. That would probably be the best for me, both energy business wise, obviously seeing three an hour would be great. So if you see three people an hour, you would need to practice for about six hours to get a 20 person day, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that like, is that doable for you? Yeah. Uh, right now I have about six to six and a half hours every day uh, that I'm in the office and I'm in the office three days a week. Okay. What okay. I would like, what I set up as my goal during the plan your best year ever was seeing 30 to 35 patients, um, or 35 to 40 patients, 45 patients a week. And right now in my okay. current schedule, I can see 36. Mm -hmm. But I know financially, it would be great if I could see between 35 or, be, well, between 40 and 50 would be good. 40 and 50 people a week. Yep. Okay. And you know the rule about capacity, right? Like you actually are full when you hit about 80% of your capacity because at that point people just kind of energetically stop referring. They feel they have this feeling that the practice is full. And if they start referring people, then they're not going to get their time slot. So think about from a capacity standpoint, if you want to see, um, say 50 people a week, you're probably going to have to book an extra 20. You're going to have to have available an extra 20% of time. Does okay. that make sense to you? Yes. So let's call it 60. I, I'm not doing the math right now, but right. let's call it space for 60 would give you 50, mm -hmm. which means you're going to have to, re you're going to have to either expand your hours or shorten the, the time that you're in visits. Right. You don't want to expand your hours. No. Okay. So let's place better boundaries then around the time mm -hmm. because you have, you have an incredible service that you're offering people and based on what you're doing right now, you're putting a ceiling on how many people you can serve and you know mm -hmm. that you want to serve more people. So yeah. one of the ways of doing that is simply by placing boundaries out around the time and when the visit's over, the visit's over. And I promise you, patients, some people are, might take a little bit of training, but when people go to a dentist, when people go to their medical doctor, when people go to their optometrist, when people go to their massage therapist, when people go everywhere else, the time that's scheduled is the time that they're given. People are used to being told, now this is the end of your visit, not necessarily in so many ways, but you know, when you right. get a massage, they stop massaging at a certain point. They say, great. <laughs> I'm going to leave the room. Now get your clothes on. Careful getting up. Make sure you have some water and I'll meet you out front. 
And that's really, that's the kind of thing that you, you need to be able to create a hard stop, some kind okay. of a ritual within your visit that communicates yep. to them clearly. And now the visit is over for today. And if they say, but what about that? And what about that? Then you're going to say, you know what? Let's see how your body processes this visit. And I'm going to see you again on, and you give the day and the time and we'll mm. revisit it then. Okay, let's talk about fees, your fee structure. Um, do you spend a lot less time with a child than you do with an adult? Um, <clears throat> yeah, because I don't have to communicate things as, as much. I can just, you know, the parent is there. <clears throat> I do the muscle testing. I do the adjusting. And usually kids are a lot easier to adjust, so it takes me probably about 10 minutes less. Okay. Do you value the result that they get from their adjustment any less than the result that an adult gets? No. <laughs> How do you think that a parent feels if a child has, comes in and their, their primary complaint is migraines and the mother also has migraines? Mm -hmm. if, if you are able to, you know, I don't mean it, it, for it to sound the way this is gonna sound, but if you were able to heal the mother's migraines and heal yeah. the child's migraines. How do you think the mother feels about both of the, those results? Do you think she places a different value on her own healing versus her child's healing? No. Do you think that a mother would feel far more relieved if her child doesn't have migraines than if she has migraines? Than yes. if she doesn't have migraines, right? Okay. Yes. So let's say that from a parent's perspective, and they're the ones paying for this, would you agree with me that they actually place a higher value on their child's result than on their own result? Yes, they would. Okay. I agree. And yet you're charging not quite 50% less for the visit. Yep. And so I... Yes. Uh, go ahead. You, you need so to do your it, thing. And I'll tell you where my your, mind is after you do your thing. Is that your headspace or theirs? Um, it's probably my headspace, but I also know that when I'm fi fixing things energetically, mom has 40 years of garbage that I have to fix and child has three years, four years, five years, six years of garbage. And so the amount of energy work that I have to put into child is significantly less than the amount of energy that I have to put in mom. Okay. And so, yes, I understand that the value of that for mom is greater that I can stop it before it becomes a big pile of things that she has. I can contain it. But I also think it's the the initial word, which I know is not the way I want to say it, but the initial word cheating is coming up that I'm kind of cheating because I'm helping this body that really isn't already trashed. I'm helping it get better faster. Okay. Are you in the habit of cheating your clients, your patients? No, I'm not. Okay. So I know that you don't feel like you cheat anybody. You practice with full integrity. Yeah. I know that you do. Where does the cheating come from? In the fact that they're easier to work with. Um, mm -hmm. 
and that I can get them better faster. I don't know. I guess in that sense, then I could pay them full. They could pay full price. And then I just say, because they're younger, I don't need to see them as often. And because they're healthier, they can come in later. But for their visit, they need to be charged for what they are because I'm putting my energy into them to help heal them. <laughs> I'm not getting where you want me to go, am I? <laughs> I, no, you're, I'm, I'm just letting you process the thought. Um, okay. I, don't, I don't have any agenda of where you go with this, Julie, honestly. I, just, I, know. I want you to come out of this call feeling differently than you went in with it. But yes. I think it's interesting, like some of the wording that's coming up, right? You feeling like it's cheating. Cheating because it happens quicker. But you know that it's simply because it's like an onion, right? There are fewer layers on their onion, than yeah. there is for an adult. It has nothing yep. to do with you. That's you're not True. cheating. Like that's yep. honestly, it's great that the parents brought them in earlier so that right. they're not gonna have these years. And that that's not cheating. That's good education. You have educated yeah. your patients yep. to realize, well, I need to bring my kids in. Yeah. But the value of the result is just as valid as it right. is for an adult. So right. here's another question that you know and I, I don't want to bring that like in a whole insurance conversation up but do insurance companies compensate differently for kids than they do for adults no so, I don't think so. if and I know not all patients have insurance but yeah if if a patient is claiming from insurance the insurance is going to pay whatever like whether it's an adult fee or a child fee, right. the insurance company is still going to pay for it. So even right. the insurance companies don't place a lesser value on the result of what you're giving the child. They are compensating the exact same way. Yep. So all I'm saying is let's look, let's look at this from the perspective of you are delivering a desired result and it has mm -hmm. nothing to do with time or effort. Mm -hmm or anything mm -hmm. like that. It absolutely has to do with your ability to get in there based on your experience and know what to do for that person. Yep. And therefore, there's no difference in the value. Okay, makes sense. Here's another question for you. When I'm looking at the 40 versus 30 versus $25, what if somebody started out as a chiropractic only patient and then say on a given day they come in and you realize, you know what, they need some nutritional work in this visit. Does that ever happen? It does. And we usually make that decision at the beginning of the appointment. Because I've got some patients that alternate between chiropractic and nutritional. So they do mm -hmm. nutritional one week or nutritional one time. And then they do adjusting the next. And sometimes if they come in and on that adjusting time, they're just, there's other things going on. They've got a sinus infection. Their ulcerative colitis have, has bobbed up then yes, we switch them. I just automatically just go into Jane and switch the component. But usually that's because I don't have people back to back on my adjusting times, even though they're shorter. Right. Okay. So what about this? I'm going to make a couple of suggestions to you based on everything we've talked about. Mm -hmm. What if you, first of all, you charge an initial visit fee? Mm -hmm. Would that make sense to you? It would. And as I said, I've, I have a bunch of other practitioners that are like, you need to raise your fees and you need to charge that initial visit fee. So yes, I know that's there. Okay. 
So it's irrelevant for the people who are already in your practice, right? So if you're worried about right. are people going to leave, your initial visit fee is neither here nor there because it doesn't affect them anymore. Yep. This is simply for all new people coming in who didn't know what your old initial visit fee was anyways. So let's, yep. get, let's get a good initial visit fee going. So you had 53 new patients last year. You're going to see yep. lots more people than that this year. If you think about... Um, Say, for example, you charged $120 for your initial visit fee, and you were only charging, let's say, 40 before, which would have been the high point of what your initial visit fee was, right? Yeah. That means you're making $80 more for every new patient. Say you see 60 new patients this year. That's yep. an extra $4,800. Yep. What could $4,800 do for your family? Oh, we could, uh, yeah, we could do a lot of nice things with an extra $4,800. That could be a decent vacation, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. Or a really cool room reno or something like that. Yep. Simply by charging a fee that everyone is expecting anyways. I'll tell you, mm -hmm. everybody expects an initial yep. visit fee that's different from a regular fee. So you would only yep. be doing what the cultural expectation is to begin with. Right. What would you think about $150 as an initial visit fee? Um, I only have a small problem with that, given that I'm not in network with any insurance companies. So mm -hmm. that would be out of pocket. I, uh, for some reason, it's just, it's a barrier. It's, and again, it's mindset. I totally understand that. Okay. But 120 is comfortable to me. 150 puts me on the uh, not so good list. Awesome. So we've just established that your new patient fee is going to be 120. <laughs> yes. Virtual high five. Okay. You just put almost $5,000 in your family's pockets by doing something that you already know you needed to do to begin with. And that is, like I said, I mean, that is well within the realm of what everybody's expectations are going to be. So that's cool. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now you can decide if you want to, like when you have large families coming, you can decide to give uh, like some kind of a family discount for the initial visits. For example, you can yeah. give a family certificate that gives $60 off or a hundred dollars off or, you know, whatever the case is, if you feel like that's something that needs to happen, but <clears throat> that's totally up to you. And like I said, people expect to pay that initial visit. Okay. So okay. we're going to do $120 as an initial visit fee. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your regular fees. Okay. And again, I'm going to put this out there and just pause for a second and think about it. What if instead of having different fees for chiropractic and nutrition versus chiropractic only, what if you just had, this is one fee. It's $50 a visit. Mm -hmm. And that way you can choose, you can flow between what people need. And you know, in general, you're going to, you know, you're going to be booking 20 minutes, for example, for a visit that gives you the flexibility to do what needs to be done when that person shows up. Mm -hmm. So again, don't think about, well, how is this going to affect the people who are already there? Let's just work a bit. Think, think this through as far as for new people coming in, what is this going to look like? What would you think about just having one fee? Okay. Um, I got to play around, play around with that one a bit. That one is yep. a little harder for me. Um, 
but yes, I like the idea of consistency so that I don't have to switch appointments around. And I, if I don't have the room for switching a chiropractic to a nutrition and chiropractic, that it's already set there. What it does is it puts you in the driver's seat as far as deciding what that person needs for their treatment. Because if somebody has booked for a chiropractic only appointment and they're expecting mm -hmm. a $30 fee, but you know that they need nutrition, now you yeah. have to have the conversation around, you know what, this appointment, because you need nutrition, it's actually a $40 appointment. And now you're in negotiation with the patient. What if they say, well, I, like they're thinking in their head, I don't really want to pay $40. I kind of want the nutrition, like I, I want to get better, but I don't want to pay the $40. And now they're telling you, I don't want the nutrition. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And now you're, you're, again, you're negotiating what's best for them. Whereas if your fee, it's a fee per visit, you get to decide as the practitioner, today they need this, today they right. don't need this, but you're the one who gets to decide. And it's honestly, it's better for the patient because they are not qualified to decide <laughs> what kind of care they need and should not be doing it based on price. Right. So think about it from the perspective of what's best for the patient. It's actually best to take that decision-making out of their hands. The decision mm. was made when they decided on you as a practitioner and they trusted you for your expertise. Right. So by saying it's one fee, and, and mm -hmm. then you, I mean, you don't have to tell them and that's for a 20 minute, 20 minute appointment. You just know what your booking is. They just know that it's a visit and they're going to get your expertise and your treatment in that visit. Okay. You get to decide what the fee is. I just put $50 out there because I think, right. I think you're worth it. Actually, I think you're worth way more than that. But if going from a 25, 30, 40 structure, I feel like 50 should be in the realm of like, you're right. worth this, Julie. You are worth this. Mm -hmm. So that would be my next recommendation is get rid of the fee structure that way. And it's, okay. it's one, one visit fee. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as child versus adult, one of the ways that you can get around that is, and this is what I do in my practice, is my, um, my Fee for a visit is $45 if mm -hmm. people have multiple family members. Okay. If somebody is the only member of their family getting adjusted, then they actually are paying a single person premium of $7 and they pay $52 a visit. Now, they don't know okay. that, right? People who are coming mm -hmm. in and they're the only one in their family getting adjusted, they just know that it's $52 a visit. Right. If, if they say, and I want to bring my kids in, then I put on their cost sheet you get a family discount of $7 per visit. So you're, you know, this much is discounted by this. You're actually, it's savings. You have a friends and family savings of this much and it brings it down to this much. Okay. So you can think about it that way. That is a way of helping your families out. And let me tell you this, the psychology of buying tells us that when people receive a 5% discount, that is the significant, that's the significant tipping point for a discount. Anything less than that, people go, meh, whatever. But 5% or more, people go, oh, that means something. And especially when you're talking about the dollar values that, you know, chiropractic care is not the same as buying a toothbrush. So right. a 5% or whatever it is for you, savings, mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. significant for them. You don't okay. have to give them like a massive family discount for them to feel appreciative of it and for them to see that's a good savings. It right. doesn't have to be a large amount. So 
you can do something like that where your fee, say your regular fee is $50, but mm -hmm. your family fee is $45. Right. That okay. means something. Or it's 40 mm -hmm. or whatever it is. But you may want to think about instead of having a kid visit, what if the kid is the only person in the family that's getting adjusted? Or right. when I say getting adjusted, getting treatment, right? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they pay the, say, the $50 fee? Right. So think about it from that perspective. And when you're, when you're structuring your fee schedule, that's how I would do it. I would do it in terms of a single, per, like a single person in the family versus mm -hmm. multiple members of the family. And if you're doing multiple members of the family, yep. be careful how much you discount because that's where people get into trouble with their cost per visits. When your income per visit goes way down because you're doing these deep discounts for family members, mm -hmm. then you start to run into the issue of you're, you're too close to your cost per visit and now you're not bringing home any. So like I said, it's just, it's a little bit. You just give a little yeah. bit and that, you know, that shows them value. And if a person can't bring in all 20 members of their family at the same time, it's okay, Julie, if they have to spread it out. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It is. Yep. Okay. So what are some action steps that you can take moving forward from this call in order to change some of the challenges that you came in with? What do you feel like, okay, over the next three to four months, this is something that I'm going to change. Well, I had already had in my head, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but at uh, the start of quarter two, that there was just going to be a global fee raise. And so um, at quarter two, I will probably, uh, beginning of March, I'll send out a notice that fees are going to be increased and here's what we're going to do. Um, I definitely like the idea of 124, the initial patient visit. And actually I could probably institute that now because it wouldn't, as you said, my new patients wouldn't know that there was a fee change anyway. Yeah. Um, and that I will start playing around in my head and maybe just, I know that other practitioners in the area charge more than I do, that probably $50 is a definite good place to start for just raising everybody's fees up. I love it. And what you can do too is um, if there's a big gap between what somebody's paying now and what you're, mm -hmm. say, say it's going to be a $50 visit fee, what yep. you can do is, like I said, for new people coming in, it's $50. Mm -hmm. Or it's $50 if they're single and 45 if they're, you know, it's a family. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, each. It's 45 each right. member of the family. Yeah, I got that, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, but for people who are already there, what you can do is you can say, this is our new fee structure. And then you can work with them to sort of grandfather them through that if they need it. So if they say, oh my gosh, that's like, I, there's no way I can do that. Then you figure out, okay, what can we do to bring you closer to what our new fee schedule is. And you can, you can work that out with okay. your existing patients. Right. And Julie, don't be too afraid of losing patients. Um, you know, my experience is if they really value you and what you're charging is fair and reasonable, they will work with you on it. You're going to lose some people whenever you rate, whenever you make any changes, if you paint the, the wall color different in your office, you're going to lose some people. So like, Yes. Any kind of change will cause a certain number of people who already had a foot out the door to leave. So you mm -hmm. can't be afraid of losing those people because what you're going to gain is people who 
who are that next level up for you, who really value based on where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's also, you know, we also don't want to wipe out your practice by one massive global fee increase. So that's where I say yes. you can grandfather the, the existing people in um, into that fee structure, but figure out how are you going to work it. So you've got an initial visit fee. You're mm-hmm. going to have a different regular office visit fee. What about your time scheduling? Um, I am going to, that one's tough. Uh, because I, that one's a habit that I have to readjust myself out of, um, especially given my enjoyment of the complexity of cases and digging into little bits. Um, I will have to, I, I like what somebody said uh, in Aligned Women, which is just say, okay, I know you're coming in with six things, pick two and we'll work on them. And just set the limit that say, hey, I can't do everything today. We'll pick two, we'll work on it, maybe one nutritional, one structural, and then if we need to, we'll reschedule you for next week. And then I just have to, the other thing that I have to do is then I have to start leaving spots that aren't available for online bookings so that I can rebook people in those spots if they need to. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I would just, I would tweak that verbiage just a little bit, again, to put Mm -hmm. you in the position of authority. You get Mm -hmm. to decide what two things those are. So that's where I would say, you know, Julie, you're coming in with a very complex health challenge here. We're going to work with the the things that are your body's biggest priorities first. And as we, as we do your treatment, we're going to see how that works out some of the other things. Cause some of the problems that you have are compensations. We don't want to do everything all at once. We want to do less is more in chiropractic. So we want to do the most important things first, and then we want to see how the body heals other things based on what we're doing. And they're not deciding, you're going to decide. And you don't have to negotiate that with them. You're just going to say, okay, awesome. Let's, you know, lie down. Let's check you today or however it is you do it. Right. But I would also recommend, like I said earlier, have something in your routine that is a very clear indication that when you do that thing, that's the end of your visit. Yep. Okay, so whether it's, you know, a global palpation of their spine or whether it's a leg length check or whether it's some kind of a muscle testing or whatever it is, yep. when you do that, you are training your patients to know now this is the end of our visit. Right. And training you for that as well. Because yes. you know, okay, when I'm doing this and when it's done, it's done. <laughs> yes, indeed. Awesome. Great. How do you feel now? Um, not so scared, uh, about this whole, I knew that I knew this had to be done. I knew I had to rip the bandage off soon. And, um, uh, yeah, it, there are a couple of challenges still stuck in my head, but I'll journal those through and see if I can figure out what it is that's stopping me from getting there. Um, but I definitely feel better about moving forward. And I can definitely see quarter, second quarter looking much different than it has, uh, than, than I have in this office for a year. So. Awesome. I'm excited for you. This is going to be great. You're going to serve more people too. and you're going to bring home more money doing it. That's great. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, you know, 
Anytime you have questions or you're having trouble working through things, you can message me, you can message Danielle, you can post it in the group. I really recommend posting some of this stuff in the group because I promise you, Julie, that what you have going on today, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, I would say at least three quarters of our membership has the same challenge. And it helps when people hear other people talking about it, they mm -hmm. realize it's not just them. This okay. is a really normal part of business. And so you really, by going through this process today, you've helped a lot of people work through their own issues as far as fees and raising fees and the money mindset around it and how to do it. Cool. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you doing this on-air coaching call and really just kind of letting it all hang out. It's a hard thing to do. You've been really vulnerable and you did an awesome job with the call today. So thank you very much. Thank you for your help. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, Julie. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I'm curious how many of you could identify with Julie's practice challenge. If you felt like I was talking to you, then I want you to head on over to one of our Facebook groups. So, so either the free Mama Chiropractors Facebook group or if you're a member of our Aligned Women community, then head on over to the Aligned Women membership page. And I want you to post what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. And on that note, if you love this episode, would you take a moment to leave a review in your podcast app? So reviews are actually one of the ways that people find our podcast quicker. It's kind of like search engine optimization for podcasts. And if you use iTunes, you can actually write a review right from your iPhone. All you have to do is go into the podcast app. If you click library at the bottom and you find the Aligned Women podcast and then scroll way down, you'll see the ratings and review portion of that page and you just leave the review from there. We would love that. And if you're listening to these on-air coaching calls and it's motivated you to do some targeted one-on-one -on -one work with us, then head on over to alignedwomen.com forward slash work with us and check out our coaching option. If one-on-one -on -one isn't the right fit for you and you're in the dream up or startup phase of practice, we have an awesome group coaching mastermind that's starting the first week of April, 2019. It's the Inspired Women Mastermind. And what it does is it actually combines community and accountability with specific teaching in the Aligned Women Core Principles. It is a fantastic way to get your new practice or your rebranded practice off the ground. It's a six-month group, and we're taking applications until March 28th. And you can check that out at alignedwomen.com forward slash inspired. That's all for today. Have an amazing week, and we will see you next time on the Aligned Women podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us today on the Aligned Women podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join the community of amazing women doctors in our free private Facebook group, Mama Chiropractors, by going to alignedwomen.com slash mama chiropractors. And if you'd love to fast track your success in life and practice, subscribe to the waitlist for the Aligned Women Team group coaching membership by going to alignedwomen.com forward slash join. Have an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Aligned Women podcast.